Material on this program is intended for general information only and should not be taken as specific investment, tax, or legal advice. None of the information contained in this broadcast is intended by the host to be a solicitation for the purchase or sale of any security. Endorsed Local Provider is an endorsement of customer service only and does not reflect quality of investment decisions and is not connected to investment returns. Further information is available by contacting Richard Young Associates, a registered investment advisor. Securities sold through Independent Financial Group, LLC, member of FINRA and SIPC. Welcome to Money MD, where the money doctors are in the house and giving out prescriptions for better financial health and making smart decisions with your money. We give common sense solutions to your complex problems. I'm Steve Marbert, a certified financial planner and an investment advisor with over 19 years experience providing financial planning and investment advice. And I'm John Travis. I'm a Dave Ramsey preferred local provider. Also have an MBA in finance and have been helping corporations and individuals with planning for over 20 years. And we also have Gordon Leopard here, an advisor at Richard Young Associates. And we're excited to have you listen to us today on our weekly radio show. We are right here every Saturday like today from 9 to 10 a.m. Yeah, you can also check out our website, moneymd.net. We have a link in the top right-hand corner. Uh, you can stream us. We have folks outside the area that listen to us, Steve. That's a great way to uh, connect with us. Obviously, locally, 12.30 a.m., you can, you know, if you're driving around listen, listening, trying to find something good on the radio, right. listen Down, to us. Tune us in on the, on the smartphone <clears throat> as well. That's another way to do yeah, it. Yeah, and download the TuneIn Radio app or go on iTalkUS and download their app yep. and uh, listen to us. Every Saturday morning while you're out working in the yard, whatever you're doing. And we also have our past shows. We we just set up a, a new website. It's called moneymd.podbean. That's P-O-D-B-E-A-N.com. And all of our previous shows from this year are sitting out there. So if you miss a show and you want to go see what we talked about, go check it out. Exactly. That's a great way to do it. All right, John. Well, I think we have some awesome stuff lined up for, for the day. But, you know, first, it's... The weather's cooling down a little bit. We got to talk football. Yeah. yeah, what a game Thursday night! Huh? <clears throat> I'm telling you, that well, was quite unpredictable. You just it? never know, right? I yeah, mean, <laughs> just never know. But you know, the big game is the Georgia Clemson game. Yeah, I noticed today. you said Georgia first. I did say Georgia first to give give uh, uh, Gordon here a little, uh, a little shout out. A little shout out here. He's a big Georgia fan. You know, we, we're not used to that. We haven't had a Georgia fan. No, in the we office usually here. Carolina. Now we got quite the mix in here. We got Tigers, yeah. dogs, and. Hancocks. That's right. We're usually talking trash against Georgia, but we, we, we'll, we'll tone it down a little bit here, Gordon, yeah, for you. Right. That's right. But, that's uh, it'll be, it'll be know, fun. We'll have a good time It'll be it. interesting. Uh, two young teams. I mean, obviously, we lost our star players. Mm-hmm. You know, Todd Boy, the star quarterback, yeah. and star Watkins. receiver, Sammy Watkins. I mean, we're crying about that. But we're hoping one of those young guys will step up to the plate here and and be the next Todd's boy. To yeah, we'll see. It should, should be an interesting game. Yeah, really and, and Georgia Tech's playing. I'm not sure who they're playing today, but uh, most most teams are kicking off today, so great time of the year. Yeah, it really is, and it, it's exciting. A little, little so, warm out there, but, you know, it's okay. So next week we'll talk a little more about the results. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> all right. But we do have a great show lined up today, and it's not all about football. Um, we're talking we're, we're talking retirement planning. Um, you know, the first topic we're going to talk about here is um, – the new retirement movement, you know, there's kind of a new movement going on, John and Gordon, where people are making some drastic changes in retirement, and it's enabling them to do things that most retirees can't do, like, you know, travel and things like that. Um, so it's pretty interesting what people are doing, and it's really freeing them up financially. Well, and there are some people that are having to make drastic yeah. moves. Yeah, that's, that's right. true, too. They're, they're required to do it out of necessity, but hey, you know. Yeah, and some people are doing good. it voluntarily and just doing things that are more important to them. So that's a great article out of U.S. News and World Report, and then we're going to follow that up with um, 
you know, talking about diversification. Yeah, there, we have the pros guide to diversification. So stick around. We'll give you the you know the ABCs on this. Kind of get into some of the details. It's an article out of Fidelity. They did a nice job, and and it's something that we really speak a lot um, to. We believe in um, based on history and so forth. So we'll dive into some more details there in a couple minutes. Yeah, and then we have a new movement here in the uh, uh, pension world where there's some smoothing going on. Is that right, Gordon? Smoothing. Smoothing. Who, who, who gets the warm and fuzzies whenever yeah. you hear pension smoothing yeah. and government accounting maneuvers all in the same sentence? Yeah, that's yeah. right. Creative accounting. It's got to spell trouble. So, uh, so, yeah, uh, this is an interesting article. and It's a little we'll, scary, actually. Uh, we'll, we'll tackle it and look at it a couple different ways in just a moment. Yeah, we'll dig into that and tell you what that's all about. All right, but we're going to start off here, though, with the financial fact of the week. Yeah, there was a survey that was done back in 2009. It was called the National Consumer Survey on Personal Finance. And um, just got a whole bunch of stats on people, kind of found out what they were doing and what they weren't doing. And it showed that 64% of Americans have no financial strategy at all. I thought that was a little low. My guess is it's yeah. probably closer to 80 Yeah, I think, I think, maybe 90 I, I think about 20 more percent are lying, <clears throat> yeah, right? Right. unfortunately, They're, or deceiving themselves, you know, just deluding themselves. Yeah, so no financial strategy. That means they probably don't have emergency funds and, and a kind of a path to retirement. And, right. Um, that's very, very stressful. Um, it it, it cre- is. It creates divorces, you know, it creates health issues. Um, so uh, that's part of what we do. We, we talk and we try to educate on having some financial strategy. We talk a lot of different things, long-term care, budgets, and so forth. But listen to us, and you'll hear kind of what this looks like. Yeah, it's a shame people don't spend a couple hours just planning for their future and relieve all that stress to to get some idea whether you're on track, whether you need to make adjustments. I I saw a a recent article that said um, that Americans, for the most part, spend most, they spend more time on vacation planning than they do retirement planning. Well, that may Think be true that. for me too, but yeah, <laughs> that's because you go on vacations all the time. But well, no, I, I love vacations. Yeah, so. you dream about it all the time. Well, cash flow planning and budgeting gets easier yeah. the more you do it. Yeah, this is true. This is true. You know, so. Usually, the hardest one is the first one. Yeah, if you do it for years and for years while, and years, yeah. it, it definitely you have processes in place. You, you just have to get started. That's the key. Yep. So, I mean, sit down exactly. today if you haven't, and you know, map out a plan to retirement. See how much income you're going to have in retirement from Social Security and pensions, figure out, you know, what do you need in investments to make up that gap? And then how do you get there? How much do you need to save every year? What return do you need to have to get you there? And if you can't do it on your own, you know, give us a call, talk to to an advisor, a planner, you know, to help you figure out how to get there. Yep. Great financial fact of the week. All right, and that leads up here to our first topic for the day, and that is the new retirement movement. Hmm. It's an article out of U.S. News and World Report, and um, recently... And, you know, I mean, there are a significant portion of retirees today, guys, that are are taking some pretty drastic steps to enable them to retire and kind of free themselves up um, from some of the financial obligations they have. And this trend is kind of creating a new retirement movement that's been taking hold and enabling some retirees to do things in retirement that really only the wealthy have been able to afford, like, you know, doing extensive traveling. Um, So the question is... You know, how is this wave of retirees doing this? And then so, but first we have to kind of talk about the retirement stats, you know, for the average retiree. Unfortunately, one out of five individuals near retirement are between the ages of 55 and 64 have absolutely zero money, zero, nothing saved for retirement. That's 20%, Mm -hmm. according to the Federal Reserve's latest report. Um, 
you know that that's a tragedy and and most people aren't even trying to figure out how much money they'll need in retirement just like we talked about on the financial fact of the week here about 36 percent of workers have less than a thousand dollars saved for retirement yep and that's over a third, according to this survey they did of a thousand workers by the Employee Benefit Research Institute. So, yeah, I mean, are you one of those people who are putting your retirement savings on the back burner, or are you focusing on retirement? Yeah, and one of the things you have to do, Steve, which we you know we talk about periodically, and you just mentioned it, is project how long <clears throat> your money is going to last. And you know, there's not a magic number um, out there that holds true for everyone. Everyone has different. Uh, desires and, and needs and wants and so forth. But, uh, you know, a good retirement calculator can at least give you an idea of whether or not you're on the right retirement path. And, you know, there may be, um, there are some online, they, they mentioned U.S. News, um, the, the website has one, mint.com has one. There's a lot of retirement websites out there. Some are better than others. If they don't look at inflation, then I would say that's it's right. probably not, not a real good one. But that's, there are ways to do it. Yeah, and that's a key. You need to pick one that, that does take inflation into account because, <laughs> Inflation makes a huge difference oh, in, in how the results end up. But yeah, I mean, they give us an example here. Um, you know, if you assume you're a fifty, if they assume you're a fifty-five-year-old here in this example, earning fifty thousand dollars a year, you have two hundred thousand dollars saved in retirement savings, and you're putting away five thousand dollars per year in retirement. So you're putting away ten percent of your income. It doesn't sound too bad, mm-hmm. you know. Two hundred thousand dollars saved for retirement. Well, in this example, um, if you if they wait till age sixty five to retire, so ten years down the road, unfortunately, uh, it doesn't work out too well. Their savings only last to age seventy two. Ouch! Yeah, it takes like seven years. Yeah. That's pathetic. Yeah, that's not good. Yeah, that's not good, and that's including Social Security. Um, so you know, I mean, it sounds pretty good on the surface. So things that look good on the surface may not be good enough i mean they may not indicate what the reality is going to be when you retire you got to look deeper you got to actually put some numbers to it you yep. can't just gloss over it and think you're in good shape or run that retirement calculator on your 401k plan website thinking that that's the end all be all and you're going to be in great shape because you got to take everything into account pensions social security your inflation. spouse inflation yep. your kids future needs your debt whether, management whether you have a mortgage or <laughs> not in retirement exactly all those things count so, yeah, if you're afraid you haven't saved enough for retirement, here are five drastic steps that people are taking nowadays in this new movement to kind of put themselves on track for a successful retirement. And the first step here um, is to face your retirement picture. Um, you got to get your head out of sand and face reality. If you don't know how much you've saved and what your expenses will be in retirement or how much you can expect from Social Security, then you know you're nowhere. I mean, yeah. you got to find that out first. Yeah, that's 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 tough, and we see that a lot of times, unfortunately. So make sure you you know you check your retirement savings account, figure out how much money you have up you know today. A lot of people know that number. Most people have not. Um, they don't have the Social Security piece of it. You can go to ssa.gov and get the most recent statement. They stopped sending them out back in 2011. So then you'll have to estimate how much money you'll need in retirement. Um, Seventy to eighty percent of your pre-retirement income is is a is a ballpark number. <clears throat> I mean, that's just estimate. Some people need 100%. Some people need 50. So that's right. you've got to go through and do some calculations. We do that as a part of our service to, to our clients and so forth. But um, it's a very important exercise. It can give you some guidance on what you need to do and what you shouldn't do. 
Exactly. That's the starting point. So we'll step into the drastic steps people are taking when we come back from the break here. But if you have a question, you can email us at info at moneymd.net or give us a call at Richard Young Associates at 706-739-0725. You're listening to Money MD with John and Steve. We'll be right back after these messages. Stay with us. Welcome back to Money MD, where the money doctors are in the house. I'm Steve Marvin, a certified financial planner, and I'm here with John Travis, who's a Dave Ramsey preferred local provider, and Gordon Leppard, who's an advisor at Richard Young Associates. And we are continuing our discussion here before the break about the new retirement movement. Um, it's an article out of U.S. News and World Report. And, uh, you know, guys, I mean, there people are starting to take some drastic steps you know mm-hmm. in retirement they're finding themselves coming up short or maybe not able to do everything they want to do in retirement and so there's kind of this movement out there of people that are that are really you know saying i'm going to change this i'm going to fix this yeah. and uh that's good so they're prioritizing they're making some drastic moves either before retirement or at retirement and it's enabling them to do some of the things they really want to do in retirement and and just live comfortably and um, so we're going to talk about that. And the first one we talked about here really isn't a drastic move. It's just it's just kind of you know finding out where you are, yeah, getting, getting a check up, yep. getting a snapshot, facing your financial picture, retirement picture, and saying, okay, this is how much I have saved. This is what I'm going to need based on the fact that boosts my Social Security, my pensions. And so I need to save this amount of money. I'm coming up short. It's kind of getting the the big picture, you know, having the checkup, if you will. And then, you know, in step two here is really where we dig down into some of the steps people are taking. And the first one here is they're downsizing their life mm-hmm. dramatically. Mm-hmm. Um, it's good. You know, it really is. It's it's impressive what some of the people are doing. Now, I'm not a, f- a fan of the tiny house movement. You know, <laughs> anybody knows if they look at my house, I, I, I kind of like my space a little bit. Um, you know, I mean, this is a lifestyle, though, that's gaining popularity. And for a variety of reasons, the tiny house movement proponents, they live in like 500 square feet. Yeah. I mean, something that's ridiculously small. I think my bathroom is bigger. No, I guess no. if you were up on the top of a mountain or something, and you know, yeah, that's, you, well, know. you see it very prevalent out west. Yeah, uh, yeah, Colorado, Arizona, some different places, and you know, some of these are even uh, portable. Yeah, so there, right. I mean, it's literally almost like having a an RV or a yeah, camper. Right, right, right. You know, they're they're yeah. moving around. So. Well, I went to Europe recently, and I think all those folks live in the tiny house <laughs> movement. I mean, they're like little landlocked, tiny. But well, they are landlocked, and it's just real expensive, and and so there's reasons for that. And plus, they're big cities. Typically, I'm talking about, but yeah, I mean, here in the U.S., I mean, people are are starting to seriously downsize. Um, FYI Network has a television show that profiles. Uh, these lifestyle pioneers that are like, you know, just giving up everything and living in this really small house. Now, we're not advocating that you go join the tiny house cadre. Um, live in a shoebox. <laughs> go live in a shoebox. But you may want to drastically downsize if you're concerned about your financial future. I mean, that is a great way to cut a lot of costs. Yeah. No your retirement budget, your think, budget before retirement, yeah. and that budget. Think about taxes, insurance, you know, everything, utilities, I mean, everything, adds up. time. Yeah. It's it's huge, and uh, so you could save a ton of money. And I mean, if your kids are out of the house, you know, I mean, you really don't need that much space. So you just have to figure out what's important to you. Right. And if it's not, you know, having the third bedroom, you know, and and having the the bonus room and the you know <clears throat> big great room. 
Um, you know, I mean, why not downsize and save a lot of money? I mean, the ways to downsize include renting a smaller apartment in a less expensive area, um, selling a large home, and then moving into, obviously, a smaller one, maybe a little duplex or, a, you know, a townhome or something like that. Um, you can even sell a newer car, buy an older car that's a less expensive model. That can save a ton of money. Mm-hmm. A lot of people are driving their retirement, right, John? Yeah. That's what Dave Ramsey always says. <laughs> Um, yeah, so these major steps can cut thousands of dollars from your budget per year and can be funneled into your retirement account. Yeah, along those same lines, uh, you're seeing several uh, groups of seniors that are moving to these uh, all-inclusive type mm-hmm. senior communities. Kind like of we master have here, plan community. You know, yeah. Marshall Square, I believe, is just opening up or going to be opening up. You know, here in the Augusta area, so. Yeah. It's not, not a bad way to go. They're yeah. kind of consolidating all that stuff. Yeah, it's good. That's interesting. Um, the, the third one here is called, you've heard of binge eating or binge yeah, spending? Yeah, I've done that a time or two, the, the eating part. <laughs> yeah, the eating really part. Saying. This is called binge saving. Binge, binge saving. I've never heard of that. Right. It's interesting. But, you know, there are some people who make it a point to save up to 40% of their salary. I mean, that's a huge number. We recommend yeah. 15%. Dave Ramsey's at 15%. I've seen some people that do that, you know. I mean, they'll hit 50 and realize, and they just make, I mean, they just go nuts with, you know, cutting back. And, I mean, that's part of the, kind of goes hand in hand yeah. with the cutting down your house. Right? Yeah, it does. And, and, you know, maybe they're able to say that because they've reduced their lifestyle. And, you know, these so-called bin savers have elected to build up a large nest egg in order to give them more financial freedom. I mean, you know, this is extreme saving sounds drastic. But a version of bench saving may be a good idea for those who find themselves, you know, without enough savings in retirement. You know, if you're in your 40s or 50s, this may be one of those steps that's required. Yeah, my hat's off to them. Yeah, I mean, this extreme savings approach kind of goes hand in hand with the second step of, of you know, downsizing your life. Um, certainly, that's going to enable you to save a lot more money and to make this lifestyle change more palatable you know you set, you need to set a short-term goal say maybe save 20 to 30 percent or even more of your salary for several months um kind of test drive it if you will you know a drastic change may be more doable if you think that you um don't have to keep it up forever so get creative figure out what you can do without you know do without or make substitutions um in your life i mean it'll be difficult at first but you know over time you may find that um you know, it's rewarding um, to see your accounts growing, uh, be motivating to see things uh, getting on track. You may be surprised how much you can adjust your lifestyle in a really short period of time. And if you keep up with the change, great. If not, I mean, just try repeating it, you know, regularly. Like any any habit over time, um, you know, it becomes easier and it becomes more of a habit. So the best secret for, for binge savings they say, is to have money automatically deducted from your paycheck into your retirement account. You know, you're less likely to miss the money if you don't have it in your possession. Yeah, that's a good one. I, I, I like that one. I mean, it's, you know, I, I talk with folks occasionally that, um, you know, some of them have three, four, five kids. And, yeah. you know, in the mid-50s, you know, college is going to be done, kids out of the house, mortgage paid off, and that's going to be the time that they can really, you know, hit it hard. You so, can hammer it. That's right. Yeah. So number four here on the list is, is um, uh, you know, investing and being aggressive in the markets. Um, sometimes, you know, if you're closing in on retirement and you don't want to bend, save, as, uh, and you can't do that, you might be tempted to take too much risk with your investments. And this article says, you know, if you're within 10 years or so of retirement, um, you shouldn't have more than 60 to 70% in the stock market. 
um, or maybe less, depending on what your risk tolerance. And that's obviously a very personal preference. Some people can handle 80%. Um, some people understand the markets well, and they can they can handle that. But you really have to understand that um, you know you have to diversify your investments. You can't afford to start over during the home stretch. So you got to got to be careful. Make sure you're diversified. That's exactly right. And the last one here on the list is you have to say no to your kids. Uh-oh. That's a wow, tough, that's a tough I think one. That starts early on, though. Yeah, it does <laughs> start yeah. early on. You better but, start I mean, that at an early age. But, you know, I mean, saying no at the early age, you know, leads to bigger things in the future. You know, if you keep, if you give them what they want whenever they're five, you know, and it may only cost $2, but, you know, when they're 15 and when they're 25, it starts costing thousands yes, of dollars. Yes, inflation will have a little something to do with that. Uh, <laughs> that's right. <laughs> blow it way up. That's right. I mean, kids do not need to cost an arm or a leg. I mean, if you work hard and you feel like you need to overcompensate by buying more stuff for your kids, um, you know, a lot of people do that. I mean, maybe you believe if your kids don't have as much as their friends, you know, they'll be at a disadvantage. Um, many adults with older and adult children are still doling out financial assistance. In fact, I just counseled a client about that this past week, um, you know, who's ruining her retirement because... She's given so much to her kids and mm-hmm. family members that she's she's eaten into her nest egg severely. Yeah. And um, so the truth is, you know, children have many years which to make their own financial way, but adults near retirement, the time is limited. You know, savings um, for your own retirement has to be a priority. So you got to make the hard choices while you're still working in order to, to add to your lifetime income in retirement. Um, it's great to be able to to spend money on your kids and give them things um, while you have a regular paycheck. But when you're retired, you just can't do that anymore. So you really got to pair that back. Um, but you know, if you're willing to settle for you know a sparse retirement <clears throat> in exchange, then mm-hmm. yeah, yeah, keep doing it. <laughs> but for most people, that's not a good idea. Yeah, I would definitely say you know seek some counsel. I mean, we have people come in all the time. Exactly. We can give them second looks, second opinions on what they're doing. Um, you know, there's there's no cost to that, no obligation associated with it. So it needs to be something that you take a look at and, and get serious about. Sooner the better. That's exactly right. You know, and that leads us up to our question of the week here. Should I hire a financial advisor to manage my financial situation? It just depends. I mean, Short answer. some people enjoy doing financial stuff and, and are good at it, and they can stay focused. Um, right. Most people are not, quite frankly. Um, that you know, That's kind of what we see out in the marketplace. Um, you know, there's studies that say financial advisors um, add significant benefit. I think it depends on yep. your situation, what they do, how do they help you with planning and other stuff like that. So it's a very personal decision. It is, and it's a little self-serving question in our, you know, from our perspective, but at the same time, um, you got to be realistic with yourself. You know, if you don't have the discipline that it takes, you need some accountability, and you need the perspective mm-hmm. that an outside person can give. Um, oftentimes, so you know, you have to make the decision well, for yourself. It's but. like going to a lawyer for a will. You can do it online, or you can go get you know a counsel. I mean, there's professionals exactly. out there that do that for a living, which can sometimes help you out. So you just got to figure out what's right for you. Exactly. Well, that leads up to our break here. But if you have questions, you can email us at info at moneymd.net. Net or give us a call at 706-739-0725. You're listening to Money MD with John and Steve. We'll be right back after these messages and Gina News. Stay with us. Welcome back to Money MD, where the money doctors are in the house. I'm Steve Marbert, a certified financial planner, and I'm here with John Travis, who is a Dave Ramsey preferred local provider, and Gordon Leopard, who is an advisor at Richard Young Associates. 
And we are leading off our second segment here um, with uh, actually a new topic, mm-hmm. and that is talking about a pro's guide to diversification. It's a recent article of Fidelity. And, um, yeah, I mean, what can be more important when it comes to investing than diversification, John? Yeah, that's right. I mean, this is, um, you know, this is like the the playbook to a college football game. Yeah, to Steve's Clemson beating Carolina, <clears throat> finally. Yeah. Whoa. We I might think, not want yeah. to use that diversification playbook. <laughs> <laughs> it worked out so it's well. It's like, can we diversify? We have a lot of Sammy Watkins on the field, and, you know, eventually. <laughs> that was last year. <laughs> you know, eventually. Well, we got new ones. They're, they're, we're growing, new we're growing small ones. Yeah, and, but uh, this, eventually, you know, yeah, we overcome. This is really a roadmap, and and uh, you know, if you think about professional teams, even even in college, I mean, those guys are are paid significant money, and they all have roadmaps. <clears throat> they all have a process, True. and that's what diversification is about. And you know, we Steve, we love working with people um, solving their financial puzzle. I mean, it's just kind of a second nature at this point. You know, we're puzzle makers, right? We are put puzzles together. That's Problem what we do. solvers. <laughs> Sometimes they're complicated. Sometimes but, they are. You know, we got to get all the pieces working. Sometimes right. it doesn't present a pretty picture, but at least you have a puzzle put together, right? And you have a plan. <laughs> at least so, you have a picture. And uh, but yeah, I have a quite uh, different feeling about cars. I know you can work on cars a little bit. That's just not my cup Mine of tea. Neither. I don't enjoy it. You no. know, I do it on necessity. Yeah, you know, I've worked on my girl's PT Cruiser here recently, and <clears throat> I finally took this shop again after change after I changed out the radiator. But you know, I took it to one shop, and you know, spent a couple of hours going back and forth to them, and they didn't figure it out. So I did the next piece myself, yeah. and still got a problem. But well, I would personally rather take it to a professional to to fix it. Just drop it off and pick it back up, and you know, work with someone that you trust. And um, you know, it's just not something I'm passionate about. But I get it. when yeah. you talk about the you know investments and financial topics, you know, that's right up the the money doctor's alley. That's that's what we do. That's what that we're is. passionate about. So we're going to talk about the pros guide to diversification. This is what we see. Um, you know, diversification is not a an end all to all investment problems and issues. It's just a good, solid way. Historically, it's proven to be a good way of of investing. Right? Spread, yeah, spreading your risk. Yeah, it doesn't protect against a loss or guarantee a, a, a positive return. But at the same time, you know, it gives you a lot better chance yep. of being successful with lower volatility. Yeah, and, you know, there's two moments when checking in on the value of your investments and portfolio is probably irresistible, right? It's when the markets are roaring ahead. Uh, we're in pretty good markets right now over the last couple of years. Or if you go back to 2008 when it's tanking. So a lot of people check those two pieces, you know, those two times frequently. Yeah, and I don't mind them checking it when it's roaring ahead, you know. But when the market's tanking, I mean, that's exactly when your emotions get kind of nasty, you know, and start clouding your minds. And even the most seasoned investors, even professionals, I mean, you start focusing on your your portfolio when markets are dropping. And, you know, what happens is you you start making irrational decisions, Mm -hmm. you know, based on your emotions. So what you really need to do is you need to let your long-term mix of stocks, bonds, and other asset classes work for you over time yep. right and you need to leave them alone you know <clears throat> once you've set it based on your risk tolerance rebalance at own schedule um but don't go focusing on it that may be the time just to turn off the tv and forget about it yeah. not look at your statement for a while if markets are really you know nasty yeah and the key is is not to make rash decisions because it, it usually costs you i had a meeting <clears throat> excuse me um this last week with a client that um, he said, yeah, you know, my buddies are going to cash. They tell me I should go to cash. I'm like, 
You know, it's just not. I no know. one can predict the markets. You can't. Um, and here we are. You know, I mean, we're having a pretty good month. Um, that, that's just that's the way it goes. Yeah, you know, I, Folks, I, you can't predict it. And I met someone that you know back in two thousand nine. Um, they they sold in March of two thousand nine, which happened to be the low of the market. <laughs> yeah. And uh, they never got back in. And so, you know, it just it's really devastated their situation. And, you know, we see that the Dalbar, you know, study kind of shows what happens to the average investor, right? That's exactly right. Yeah, the Dalbar study is a famous study. You know, Dalbar Associates, um, they do this quantitative investor behavior mm-hmm. study updated every single year. And it goes back 20 years and looks at what investors actually returned versus what the market returned, what investors got to keep after all their market timing, moving money in and out of the market, um, what was their actual return. And what they found here recently was in the last 20 years, about 5%, it was what the average investor got to keep, 5.02%. Um, versus 9.22% for the S&P 500. Oh, that's not a big difference. Oh, no. Just 5.5 just 4%? versus 9. It's like 4%. Ah, that's not much. Yeah. Come on, I mean, Steve. What's <laughs> the deal here? Yeah, that, I mean, that adds up. It oh, does, you know, over. and that's for the previous, you know, 20 years up through last year, up through 2013. Sure. So it's, unfortunately, it, that difference is, is both timing and bad decisions, emotional decisions, and, of course, cost. Yeah. That's right. So. so the question is, is, is why diversify? I mean, you know, the goal of diversification is not necessarily to boost performance, but it's really to help manage risk. I mean, diversification, as you mentioned earlier, doesn't ensure a profit or, or guarantee a loss. But, um, you know, and it won't even necessarily maximize returns in up markets. It, it could actually reduce them in some cases, but can help you ride out swings in the market. Because as one part of your portfolio struggles, um, another one may be uh, actually performing well. And, you know, as an example, last year, um, most markets had a fantastic year. I mean, the S&P 500 was up, you know, north of, of 30%. Well, there was one sub-market, it's called the emerging markets, which was actually down. Right? Yeah. yeah Probably not a bad time to, to be rebalancing into that. Yeah. And what <clears throat> what's the leading asset class this year? Wait a minute. Uh, Let me emerging think. markets. Uh, emerging markets. <laughs> yeah. It is. How about that? It's funny how that works. You don't it know when that it's going to change and, you know, the timing associated with it. But, um, you know, right now many people are questioning whether they should own international equities as, as the U.S. markets have really, you know, outperformed in the last couple of years. But. That's exactly what a port, you know diversified portfolio does, right? That's right. Yeah, I mean, it has some asset classes that have performed really well, and some that haven't performed really well, right? But you mix them all together and diversify a portfolio. No one can predict which one's going to do the best. Uh, owning all of them, though, in a diversified portfolio. Um, and weighting it towards small in value, you know, will help you over time. It'll give you lower volatility, and also, if you're weighted towards small in value historically, those have given higher returns. Yeah, so. yeah, that's right. And so, you know, the fact is, is all markets go through cycles. A lot of people are focused on the U.S. markets right now. Um, so, you know, diversify. It helps to smooth vo- uh, volatility, reduce some risk. Um, so you don't have all your eggs in one basket. And, you know, to, to build a diversified portfolio, um, it's kind of like Brockman's, you know, box of chocolates, right? There's different varieties. You got some chocolates filled with cherries and some walnuts and, and, and caramel base. What, y'all have a favorite chocolate? Brockman. I don't remember Brockman. <clears throat> 
Yeah. Is that like? Is did you like, never buy Kathy something I like it was a, a different name? <laughs> no, it's, it's Brockman. I guess I haven't bought chocolate in a while. Uh, I <laughs> guess I was thinking about Godiva chocolate. <laughs> well, Godiva so, too, but there's yeah. just a lot of different flavors. Yeah, we so. get it. There's a whole bunch of flavors in there. That and is diverse. We, like, we get the concept. Forrest Gump, right? You just you don't <laughs> know <laughs> what's in a box of chocolates. Or <laughs> yeah, that's right. So, you know, investors should look for assets whose returns really haven't historically moved in the same direction. That's known as, as correlation. That's kind of getting detailed. But yeah. it's basically just having, you know, a lot of different pieces of your portfolio. Yeah, like a box of chocolate. Like a box of chocolate. You got it, John. That's, that's a great analogy. Because some people don't like, you know, nuts or cherries like, or whatever. Could have so. found a different one than that. I don't know. <laughs> anyway, so, yeah, even a portion of your portfolio, um, even if a portion of it is going down, the rest of your portfolio is designed to be growing. You know, I mean, the whole per- point behind diversification is asset classes don't move together, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, there's some, there's some right. some lack of correlation between them. So while some are having a rough year, some are having good years, and they tend to balance each other out. Um, so we like to see eight to twelve different asset classes in a typical diversified portfolio. Yeah, and most people come in, Steve, with um, just a couple. Um, they usually have large U.S. stocks, and S and P five hundred is a great example of why that's dangerous. From two thousand to about two thousand and ten, really didn't make very much money at all. I mean, that was if you're in those that asset class, that was a a dangerous position to be in. Whereas during that time, small cap stocks and and some international stocks actually had some respectable ter- returns. You know, so. Yeah, being diversified is something you need to look at. Um, rebalancing, you know, right now markets have done well, and and if you have some bonds in your portfolio, maybe now's a good time to take some something off the top that has done well and put it into the bond side of it to keep it in balance. Right, that's exactly right. So you know, here's the pros guide to diversification. Um, you know, first of all, you've got to know your your target investment mix. Right, your your split between bonds. And, and equities. Um, rebalance periodically. Look at your portfolio regularly. Um, talk with your advisor also as you go through this process. But um, this is how we do it. We're, we're huge believers in diversification. Absolutely. Yeah, and your portfolio is like a box of chocolates. <laughs> Remember right. that. So, yeah. All right. Well, that brings us to our break here. But if you have questions, you can email us at info at moneymd.net or give us a call at Richard Young Associates at 706 739 0725. You're listening to Money MD with John and Steve and Gordon. We'll be right back after these messages. Stay with us. Welcome back to Money MD where the money doctors are in the house. I'm Steve Marbert, a certified financial planner. And I'm here with John Travis, who is a Dave Ramsey preferred local provider, and Gordon Leppard, who is an advisor at Richard Young Associates. And we are continuing our discussion here. We actually, we're um, going to start off here with the prescription of the week. Yeah, and this prescription is pretty straightforward. Do a financial plan. I mean, sit down, do it. Most people don't do this. Look at emergency fund, debt management, um, how much you need to save on a monthly basis. Dave Ramsey has some great resources. Uh, the Financial Peace University class will teach you some skills, and you can certainly sit down with us. Um, had a conversation with my, my daughter, who is a uh, junior up at Carolina, yeah. and um, she's doing budgets, um, and she hates doing budgets. And um, so she was talking to my wife, and she's like, I think Dad's going to be mad at my budget. And she was, my wife was like, Tammy said, well, no, he won't. He just wants you to learn what you're spending your money on. She says, well, I'm eating out all the time, and I can see that. In my budget, well, wow. she ten percent of her income goes to giving, fifteen percent goes to a Roth account. So the other seventy five, she can spend on anything she wants to. 
I'm okay with that. But yeah. it just the fact is is that she knows where it's going. It's impressive so. <laughs> that she knows where her money's going. Well, she's she worried about it, so <laughs> maybe she's listening That's to us this it's morning. It's better that she recognizes it now than uh, later. Well, yeah, I, I exactly. sat down with a couple in their mid-50s, yeah. and uh, they have a fantastic income. They had over $100,000 income. They had no emergency fund. They oh, had wow. $3,000 in a yep. retirement account. So. I use as a, as an example to to Danielle. It's like this is why you want to sit down and do a plan and know where your money's going. So. We see that time and again, you know, and it doesn't have to be complicated, right? No, I it mean, doesn't. It can be just ten categories. Just you know, go through your checkbook, um, write down the things that you you know that you spent for each category during the month. And figure out how much that normally is yeah. and, and come up with a budget and then track it, yeah. you know, and you don't have to, you know, go crazy with that. A lot of credit cards, if you use credit cards and pay it off each month, yep. which we definitely, yep. you know, recommend, um, they will break it down for you. You know, you can go on the log, log on their website and run the report and it'll break it down into all the different categories yep. and you know how much you've spent. Well, and Dave's a big fan of um, using envelopes, you know, having a certain yeah. amount. If you don't want to overspend a category and you have a $100 eating out budget, put it in cash and spend cash for it. And There's no sure way, yeah. you know, yeah. than uh, using the envelope and when it's gone, it's gone. And plus, you spend less if you're spending cash. Yeah, that's right. You feel it. You, know, you feel it. Yeah, yeah. You, you break that Ben Franklin. You're like, ooh, I just killed a $100 bill <laughs> yeah, there. It's painful. <laughs> All right. Well, that leads us up here to our last topic, and that is um, smoothing pensions. Smoothing pensions mm. towards state of peril. Yeah, uh, like we said earlier. I mean, when you hear smoothing pensions and government accounting maneuvers in the same sentence, I don't know about you, but that yeah. that doesn't settle too well with me all the time. Yeah. So, so what they're looking at doing, just kind of to summarize this before we get into some of the details, is they're they're looking at not requiring companies to make pension payments which means um, pension payments are, are tax-deductible, right? So yeah. if, if they're not making a tax or if they're not making a pension payment, their tax bill is going to be higher to the government. That additional tax payment to the government is then going to be used to funnel into roads and services and things like that. So That's right. They're just delaying the pain. They're, they're robbing Peter to pay Paul. So it's government creative finance oh. is what they're trying to do here. So, yeah, that's you know, Wall Street Journal, uh, they looked at this, and they, they defined it as pension smoothing, uh, the government accounting maneuver to pay for road repairs, subways, and buses. Uh, again, just like you said, by allowing U.S. businesses to delay billions of dollars in pension uh, plan contributions for their retirees. That's scary. Yeah, so. that's, a, that's, a unique, uh, that's a unique maneuver. I mean, it's very creative, whoever thought of that. I mean, it's but, sad. Yeah, I mean, the term, you know, government accounting maneuver, I mean, that always sounds ominous, and so does the phrase delaying, you know, billions of dollars in pension <laughs> yeah. contributions for retirees, because obviously pension plans are underfunded already, uh, right? This is so crazy. Delay it further. So, yeah, it's, it's crazy, but, you know, in this 10.8 billion dollar transportation bill which was just passed by the way by you know ample margins in the house uh they, they passed it overwhelmingly in the senate it was a overwhelmingly passed and signed by president obama it authorizes this pension smoothing where they're going to delay these payments you know you know as a way to, to pay for it i guess i mean this is uh, you know I, i'm going to contact my um my senator and, and my representative on this. This is this is pathetic. And it's not even actually paying for it. It's just delaying. I mean, it's taxes. 
yeah, they'll get more tax revenue in the short term, but they're going to get less in the long term because, <laughs> or the same amount in the long term, because then the companies are going to make those payments and they're going to pay less in tax. Yeah. So it's just a way for them to make it look like they're paying for the transportation bill. They're not really yeah. paying for it. Yeah, it's this, typical government stuff. It really is. There's a cost to it. Sure. Yeah. You know, there's there's definitely a cost to, uh, you know, putting these funds off. There there's a Seattle-based consulting firm. Um, of Millennium, who told the, uh, the journal that U.S. companies with a hundred of the nation's biggest pensions are projected to contribute $44 billion to their plans this year. Uh, yet after pension smoothing takes place, that will be lowered down to $31 billion. Mm-hmm. So, you know, we have more retirees uh, that are receiving pensions, um, and, and that... The, the amount of money needed to fund that yeah, uh, is much more. Yeah, and I, I still don't see how they, they get $10 billion of new tax revenue out of that. But, you know, it's the government. I mean, they, they just make up numbers somehow. But, uh, yeah, Brad Belt, the former executive director of the pension, PBGC, Pension Benefit Gratuity Corporation, uh, you know, warned in the same story. He said to use a federal pension insurance program to pay for wholly unrelated spending initiatives is just bad public policy, and it has an adverse implication for funding corporate pension plans. But we see that all the time, right? I mean, this is what the government does. They just hide things in bills and just, you know, just manipulate the finances to try to fund things. Um and it's you know it comes back to haunt them. Yeah, and and first district congressman Mark Sanford um, aptly pegged pension smoothing as a budget gimmick that hypothetically creates more money for government. And Sanford added, the problem is those companies have to pay it back later, and in the meantime, the government's on the hook if they come up short. So in other words, this is this is your problem too. And what he means by that is, if the companies can't pay it, then the uh, PBGC, the the Pension Benefit Guarantee Corporation, which is has to step in, has to step in and take care of it, which is going to come from tax dollars. And I mean, it's just a, uh, it's this is pathetic. I'm sorry. Well, it's it just really reflective is. of how our um, government has handled fiscal responsibility. Well, or, they haven't. Yeah, I know, mean, they just years, yeah, exactly. They haven't. They they can't come to terms on anything, so they do these crazy stunts. I mean. That's right. It's unfortunate. You know, just wrapping this up, you know, an economics professor from Syracuse University, he basically just reiterated and kind of put the stamp on what we just said as well. He said, Congress is basically allowing companies to do what our current legislators do, postpone their funding uh, for their financial obligations. You know, we're going to have to pay for it sometime or another. So whether it comes, you know, straight out of pocket or or however, it's going to end up costing Oh, no doubt. No way around it. And the government has done the same thing with Social Security, Mm -hmm. Medicare. I mean, they've played games with the accounting of that for years now. And, I mean, here we are. um, You know, the the Social Security Trust Fund is is running deficits now um, where we're drawing out of it, right? It's not gaining anymore. Um, Medicare, if you look at the General Accounting Office, I mean, it's projecting that that Medicare is going to bankrupt us, basically. As a country, and instead of addressing that, we we pass you know the health care reform act, yeah. and we're actually adding to the expense of Medicare. They'll just increase taxes. I mean, eventually, I mean, they'll have to. Eventually, have to. And I read an interesting article this week about taxes too, saying that um, somebody saying that in the in the government saying that we need to adapt more of a more of a European style. Mm-hmm. 
um, VAT tax. Um, yeah. Because that's the only way to actually increase revenues, you know. And you can see the handwriting on the wall. I mean, it's going to go to that. We're mm-hmm. going to have both an income tax and a VAT tax, just like Europe, because we have all these obligations. And if you think the the rich are going to pay for it, think again. I mean, corporations are leaving the U.S. in droves. Yeah. I mean, look at look Burger at Burger King, King this week. Burger King just went up with uh, Canada, right? right? Exactly. <clears throat> I mean, they're 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 leaving. They're moving the corporate headquarters. And yeah. It's simple math. You so know? contact your, uh, you know elected officials and let them know how you feel about this i am yeah exactly. and um, you have a project uh prediction for the game tonight score uh yeah i, I predict that uh <laughs> the winner will have a higher score yeah that's good yeah, eh? yeah i think so spoken truly like a financial advisor right? <laughs> it is. that's it more is like a politician yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. gordon I'm, I'm hopeful um let's see they're favored by was it seven points georgia's favorite georgia so we'll, they should let's, be it's let's an go with uh 21 14 georgia ah okay yeah i mean that wouldn't surprise i'm gonna me. say it's, it's 28 insane. to zero no that would be a score doug would do. you sound like doug yeah i was gonna say <laughs> i'll say no. 28 24 28 24 all right well i'm gonna say clemson by three there, mm. I did it. It's on the record. Well, I'll let you know when I get back from Athens. All right, yeah, Steve. <laughs> yeah, painful. But I got to pull for my Tigers. All right. Well, this has been this week's edition of Money MD with John and Steve. Tune in next Saturday from um, nine to ten a.m. There are more prescriptions for your financial health, and do check us on our website, um, moneymd.net. You can email us your questions there at info@moneymd.net, or you can uh, email us directly. Um, as well, you can link to us or you can give us a call. Um, John, Steve, and Gordon, you can reach us at Richard Young Associates at 706-739-0725. Thanks for listening. Have a great weekend. Have a good one. Material on this program is intended for general information only and should not be taken as specific investment, tax, or legal advice. None of the information contained in this broadcast is intended by the host to be a solicitation for the purchase or sale of any security. Endorsed local provider is an endorsement of customer service only and does not reflect quality of investment decisions and is not connected to investment returns. Further information is available by contacting Richard Young Associates, a registered investment advisor, securities sold through Independent Financial Group, LLC, member of FINRA and SIPC.